Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans, and uh, I got my wonderful wife, Sky, here with me. Hi. And we're coming to you live. Well, we're live. live. <laughs> uh, coming to you from the Freightliner studio. We're back on the road. Uh, just finished up a clinic in Canyon City, Colorado, and uh, we are now in Driggs, Idaho. That's where we are recording this right now. Um, getting ready to kick off uh, the next clinic tomorrow, so... Uh, been trucking all day. Um, well, not all day. It wasn't too bad. Just a half day. Half day. You know, Driggs, Idaho is fairly close to Utah. So it took us like six hours is all. So pretty darn close. But and we left early, so it just felt like a long day. Yeah, we did leave <laughs> early. So um, anyways, but we wanted to talk about Canyon City before we jump into the next clinic and... and uh, forget everybody. Forget just everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but we want to get the highlights out there and um, got some questions that came in too that we need to answer. So, uh, can you see it was good? Weather was really good. Um, last year it was so stinking hot. Um, I was kind of scared. I know. I was worried about because we originally were going to try and get there in September this year. Yeah. But we ended up having to do it last week in August. So, yeah, it ended up being pretty good. It was, it was beautiful the first two days. Last day was a little bit warm, but nothing to complain about at all. And uh, really we nice. are we are fixing to cook here. Yeah. I love that you say that ever since Bentley was here. Yeah, we had an intern <laughs> from Texas, Bentley. I don't know if you listened to his episode, you guys, but um, you know, he got me saying fixing. <laughs> well, it's funny because once you start, it, it you know it fits. It does. It actually works. It's a good. It's a good. Well, Ty was word. teasing him when he'd say. I tease it. him so I... much about it. That's why it's funny because now he's actually using it. Anyway. But it is fixing to get hot here. <laughs> like it was 90 here today and it's supposed to be hot every day. So it's anyways, really I hope you don't. right now in this Yeah, studio. we're sitting here in this truck, <laughs> our Freightliner studio. Speaking of which, I can't remember if we mentioned, I pro we probably did, but a good friend of ours, Lori, made us some ball caps that say Freightliner Studio, and it's just like my favorite thing. I know you I say wear like shirts all the time. I do. I, feel I like wear we... mine when I record the podcast. <laughs> I I feel like we should have some made. Yeah, Freightliner Studio. And some some stickers. I have a cousin that makes a bunch of stickers. She said I can make you some stickers. Heck yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Canyon City, the clinic. Um, these people, we had some great people. Uh, I gotta say, a standout person for sure was jason yeah and moon his horse yeah um so this guy um brand new like he's only had equine i mean just like three years is all like he's brand new to things trying to learn uh but i gotta say i loved his questions he asked so many questions and and uh it was kind of funny by the second and third day he kept saying Sorry, I have just another question. I'm like, dude, stop saying sorry. Like, yeah, well, this is what you paid for. You paid to come here to ask me questions, and I think it's great. I wish more people would ask questions like that. Well, it keeps the ball rolling. I loved on that last day because he apologized like that, saying, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Times. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to take up all of the time. I have another question. And I heard multiple people in the class say, to, or they also said, no, no, please ask your questions. Or they said, thank you for your questions. You know, I, I really appreciated everybody being encouraging for him to ask his questions. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of people 
who will come to me later um, and ask a question or ask if they could talk to Ty later. And they say, oh, I just didn't want to bother him or I didn't want to ask too many questions or take up all the time. And, you know, my mine and Ty's thoughts are if no one else is taking up the time, then go for it. <laughs> you know, ask, ask your questions. That's what I, I, I always tell folks, you know, wherever we are that I, I came here to help you. And I hope people know the sincerity that I have when I say that. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I really like to help people. And, um, my, my favorite, actually, well, it's not my favorite, but <laughs> I'm being sarcastic is when they say I had a question, but it wasn't related. And then, and I usually joke and I say, um, I usually say, uh, I don't give marriage advice, you know, <laughs> okay. Like if it has anything to do with meals, it's related. And then they'll ask me a question about meals, but some other like, oh, well, when I'm doing this or this, I'm like, that is absolutely related. related. Ask your meal questions, your horse questions in class. People well, can benefit. But Jason was just so awesome with his. Yes, he had great questions. And, you know, I really like, so me and the girls started homeschool. So I missed every single day of the foundation class. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I didn't, I didn't see any of it, really. I watched for a little bit on Saturday, but then we were packing up to go. But anyway, um. I, there's just something about new people. So I wrote in the mulemanship one class um, and I was able to watch Jason, at least in the, that class. And there's just something just so like, I was trying to think of the word actually while we were there, like pure and like wholesome about somebody who is brand new Yeah. because they, they don't have all these bad habits that we see um, people trying to fix in themselves. Tell you what, it's a lot easier to help him, yeah. like being brand new, than when I get somebody, and nothing against them, but when they say, hey, I've been riding for 30, 40 years, they're full of habits. Yeah, well, and they know. And, and they know. That's why they're there at a clinic is, is uh, you know, get help, obviously. But I'm just saying, as far as ease of, of learning, you know, the sooner you can start learning, the better. Um, and I have had a few people say, you know what, I, I just got into meals. Maybe after I ride for a few years, then I'll come to a clinic. I'll be ready. Well, you don't need to go get ready. You don't need to get ready to come to the clinic. Come, come learn, start learning now. Um, you know, I love people like Jason that show up, they're proactive. So before they have the wreck, before they get hurt, before they, um, you know, have something happen and, uh, have a story, you know, yeah. they, they show up and. And uh, cause like I was telling all of them, you know, I'm here to save you guys time. That's why they pay me. Yeah. They pay me to save them time. Like I'm going to, I'm going to save you time and, and heartache and injuries. Pain. Um, learn from my mistakes and the mistakes of my mentors, because I'm also passing down my, my mentors, you know, lessons, you know, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to share all this information. So anyways, Jason, if you're listening out there, buddy, Good job. Uh, I sure appreciate you showing up, asking your questions, not being shy. But well, and I, I love it because uh, you can tell when someone is new to it, but not in the way that it sounds. Uh, I mean that in a good way, like because you can tell by the way they're writing that they, I don't know, there's just this like purity to it. I don't know the word, but they just are so, uh, I don't know, a clean slate, you know, yeah, like for you sure. can tell. So I, I really enjoyed watching him work with his horse and his, that's the other thing I even mentioned to somebody as I was watching that I love watching new people riding a good animal to learn on. Yeah. You know? His horse was just great. Just yeah. a, a great, 
uh, animal startup, you know, not particularly super handy or anything, but it was really gentle and very teachable and easy to get along with. Super quiet, which you know, I think is key, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a, a challenge. And, you know, there's another participant in class that came and um, she had just bought this mule um, and the mule was, was quite, quite a handful. Well, I shouldn't say a handful. It just didn't know anything at all. Right. Um, talking about Brooksy. Oh yes. And, and her mule just, just didn't know anything. And so she's, she's trying to learn. She's brand new and she's trying to learn on an animal that is brand new and a little bit of a handful. And, um, she's just trying to survive and, and that was actually in the clinic back in Gunnison, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then she brought, she came uh, and did the foundation class here, which is so good. You know, when you're yeah. first learning, there's so many things in foundation class that you need to, um, so important. It, it helps a ton. You know, we don't require that you take the foundation class before mealmanship one, but we dang sure recommend it. Yeah. Doing both of them together is, is good sometimes too. Um, we got to give a shout out to, to Trina um for hosting the clinic yes trina's awesome yeah trina dowd she was just um amazing and she was really sad though because she broke her leg she broke her leg not at the clinic a week Uh, a week before (laughs) week before the clinic she breaks her leg in a driving accident she's driving a mule and and had a little well you get get run over happens uh with those wagons (laughs) those carts you know (laughs) It's lots of broken legs there, it seems. But um, anyway, she got hurt, so she was upset. But she did a good job putting together the clinic, and she always does a good job of gathering people for the clinic and, and good she's, people to show she's up. She's very welcoming. Absolutely. So. It makes a difference. Um, and I was really – she really made me happy because she bought a big old uh, pan of pulled pork <laughs> for the potluck. It was good. <laughs> so it was pretty good. Uh, somebody else that I had in mind, Scott, that I wanted to mention on the podcast is, uh, Ted. Yes. So Ted showed up last year with his mule and he could not get it to lope last year. Um, and what was his mule's name? I forget what his mule's name. Molly. I'm like, I, it's just Molly. I knew yeah. it. I'm like, I it's know like, it's, it's one of those like mule just, names. Just Molly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, and he could not get Molly to lope last year. And this year he loped a bunch and super impressive. You know, you guys, uh, I love it when I can show up and, and you guys, maybe you come before and you had some issues, some things to work out. And I give you tips and I give you suggestions and I give you advice on how to work through it. My favorite is when I show up next year and he actually did what I, what I suggested. You kept going. They kept going. They kept working at it. That's, that's what matters. I, I don't I don't particularly want to just show up every year and, and stay at the same level with you guys. I want you to progress. I want you to be better. I want your animals to be better. And so a huge shout out to Ted. Uh, Molly looked better for sure. She did. And I remember last year talking about next year when you come. And, you know, and I, I do remember that being a conversation. Oh, yeah, next year you'll be great. And so it was really fun to have him there. Yeah. Well, the first time we met him. He showed up and he had, uh, you know, the typical uh, gimmicky head stall, you know, the nose pinchers and all that. And I, and uh, we, we got him lined out with some, you know, suggesting some good gear, you know, and put a snaffle bit on and get working from where the mule's at, you know. And uh, so he, he has made tremendous progress year after year after year. And I have no doubt that next year uh, he'll be even better. 
You told me he would be. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he keeps working at it, and I really appreciate that. Any thoughts on? Um, well, I was just thinking about, he told me he was having some trouble on the trail. A few of them after the clinic was over would go out. There's a few little trails out there, um, which was really handy and really nice. Yeah. And um, he said that his mule was real rushy and um, Ty gave him some tips and he said the next day, he's like, oh my gosh, it just made all the difference. So it was, it was great to hear him having progress in that area also from the work that he's put in you know, installing the tools at the clinic and in the arena and then applying them out on the trail. And that's, that's where a lot of people have a hard time mm -hmm. is we teach them these moves and these things, you know, cause our classes, let's face it. Most of my clinics are in the arena. Right. And, and the reason is so that I can actually have a classroom setting because it's really hard for me to take 15 or 20 of you out on the trail, turn you loose and try to teach you something, you know, they just can't hear me even. Yeah, you know, like well, just, it is hard. Just because... a matter of, of talking to each one. You yeah. can't do it uh, necessarily. I do have some trail riding clinics that they're geared a little differently, of course. And they're smaller. They're smaller groups. But, you know, a lot of people have a hard time connecting the dots. But we, we ride the same everywhere we go. And a lot of people have challenges with obstacles and uh, the terrain and, and the, the trees and the brush. You know, how, how to do this there. You know, but that, you know, I give him some suggestions and some tips on how to, how to work through some of these things. And he, and he did it. And, uh, I really appreciate, you know, hearing back that people are, are, are using these skills out there. And that's the big, that's why we, we go all over the world doing what we do. Right. Sky yep. is to help people. Like I, um, I hope I'm getting it out there and I hope people know that, you know, that I, I really want to help them. I don't want to just show up and just, uh puke a bunch of words on them, you know, and show them a few things and then leave and have them not be better. Um, and I guess that's kind of why I'm a little bit, you know, at times a little bit um, confrontive at times in the clinics, right? Like I hold people accountable, like, hey, you know, and I, and I think I just have a little bit more of a coaching mindset necessarily than a, a writing instructor mindset. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like I, I want to coach them. I want them to be better. Um, and well, I, I want to hustle them a bit, you know, reading the people who want that and the people who aren't maybe ready for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that came up that I thought was interesting. So Kate Doty, um, and you, I think, uh, people have heard me talk about Kate. She's been to multiple clinics and she started a cult. She was at the cult starting this year and she brought her cult Lily, um, to this clinic and that's when she started back in June and she was having some struggles and, um, her, her and her mother came up and talked to me after the clinic and, and, uh, and I told her, I said, you know, Kate, this is the hard part. This is the, this is the un, unfun part unfun. of training. It's not fun at this point anymore. You know, I told her, you know, when you first start your Colts, it's fun because you're so happy that they stood the saddle. You're so happy they stood for you to get on. And you could turn them here and you could turn them there, move the hinds, move the front. You can walk, trot, and lope. And all the firsts are really exciting, right? They're, they're, uh, you know, inspiring and you get excited about it's it. Instant it's, gratification. It's, yeah. Lots of instant gratification. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love cult starting. I mean, it feels good to do all these, these little tasks. The hard part comes after you've rode that thing for three months and now you hit a plateau. And that's what training mules and horses is really all about is you'll have these, You'll have these little brief moments of 
of some progress. Like you make progress and it's fun to make progress. Everybody wants to make progress, right? And they want to, they, they want to have that improvement. They want to see the improvement, but the real hard part comes is when you hit the plateau, like making it through the plateau. And that's where she's at with her cold. And I said, you know, this is the part you get bored a little bit. This is the part that's, that's challenging that it's not, um, you know, because you, at that stage, you know, after you start your cult and you get a lot of these, some of these basic maneuvers kind of going a little bit and, you know, they have a little education. They're not really going to, you know, necessarily do anything to, to get you bucked off anymore. You know, they're, you're kind of past that stage. Uh, then you spend a ton of time building muscle. That's what I was trying to tell Kate, like, okay, now it's build muscle time. Like you got months and months now, uh, you, well, not even, you got years now of building muscle building uh, some repetition here, some quality repetition, um, putting in the hours, putting in the miles. So you're building the, building the body, building the mind. Well, that's something that I've really learned with my mule cupcake, um, trying to get her to actually plant, not plant, but sit back on her hinds to move her front end uh, correctly, you know? And it just kind of was my aha moment that she didn't have the muscle to even be able to do that. So I had to build that up before we could, make a decent turnaround and i feel like we're finally getting there with some quality <laughs> well it takes time especially these youngsters you know cupcake is seven uh well she's almost, almost seven right yeah. so she's she's not even quite full grown and i feel like a lot of people get really judgmental on the on the animals on the mules on the horses uh they're really hard on them um for for judging their maneuvers when they haven't even built the proper muscle up to do a lot of these moves mm -hmm. you know well bone structure too i mean there's so much to build and um, and uh, it takes all those years to build it. You know, it takes a lot of time to get the support system under the mule to do the maneuver. So you guys out there that, you know, uh, and there's so much in the hindquarters too. And that's, I know. I, know I feel I've, like that's where mules kind of lack. Yeah, too, mules so. lack in the hindquarters. And I know uh, people listening to this podcast right now are probably like, oh my gosh, here goes Ty again talking about the hindquarters. So like, talking about mule butts. Uh, that's I was talking about mule butts. But seriously. You want your mule to stop better? Build the hindquarters. You want your mule to walk out better? Build the hindquarters. Back Those up the, better. Back up better. Build the hindquarters. Turn around better. Change hindquarters. Leads. Change leads. Everything, Everything is in those hips. You got to build those hips. And um, I'm not discounting all the rest of the body. Obviously, you have to have all of it, right? But the one thing that lacks so much in the mule, especially, and they get it from their daddy, you know, that those donkeys give it to them as those little butts. And they don't have a lot of a lot of muscle there and the muscle they do have is lean um, anyways. And so we're trying to build that and uh, it, it'll make a huge difference, you know, for sure. Um, and sometimes people will kind of, well, not kind of, they do, they kind of make fun of some of these, uh, these maneuvers that we do like a turnaround, you know, um, or, or I've had people tell me, I don't need to back up. I trail ride. I go forward. Like, <laughs> really? I don't, yeah, like, I don't, even, I don't know the last time I backed my mule up. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> tell. I can tell. No. But, uh, you know, they kind of make fun of a lot of these moves. And they think they're advanced when they're, you know, these moves are pretty basic moves. But they kind of make fun of them. But yet they say, I want to get my mule to walk out better. Build the hindquarters. You know, I, I need that stop. Well, build the hindquarters. So well, it's I, huge. What I found, too, is just the, the quality of those moves is going to be different. You know, so like... I think I mentioned on this podcast at some point that my, I have my like 10 goals for, you know, cupcake is my project right now. And when I went, moved from 2021 to 2022, 
um, some of those goals stayed the same. Like, so for a turnaround, for example, I had for 2021, I want to do, be able to, for her to sit on her hinds and, and be able to do a turnaround. And then 2022 came and I knew more about how they're supposed to be. Yeah. So I wanted just a better quality turnaround. So just my, it's the same thing, but totally different goal in mind because, you know, the quality is different. So some people, I think trail riding, they're like, oh, I don't need all these fancy maneuvers. I can open a gate, but the quality of how you're getting the gate open may be different than. Well, and, and, you know, we could talk, we could dive into longevity too. Like, okay, well, yeah. All right. I understand on the trail, you don't need to uh, be able to turn around real hard, you know, and you also don't need, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these basic moves that we teach that maybe you, you might not find a, a direct application to just trail riding. Okay. I get it. But let's talk about longevity. I mean, you know, when you're building up these, these muscles, um, I mean, we're from Utah and, uh, we love Utah. We do. We love Utah. But, um, the, if you, if you want to see the typical like trail rider, uh, there's so many of them in Utah, uh, especially hunters and I love my hunters, you guys, uh, I'm not dogging on you that hard a little bit. Um, yeah. but you, but you know, they don't ride all year. The people who they ride pull them out on the hunt, hunt. Yep. and they ride the crap out of them on the hunt and they wonder why they come up lame or they're injured or they're not doing good. And be no different than us. If we sit on the couch all year long and, and just eat and yeah. And then we're going to go hard, you know, and, and hike the mountains or, you know, run a marathon. Yeah, we're probably going to die, you know, or, or something, feel dead or, or we're going to feel that we're going to get hurt. We're going to injure ourselves, you know, um, so there's so much to it, you guys. Um, and anyways, so my point with mentioning Kate Doty was she's at the stage now with this cult that she's got to build the muscle and, you know, it, it takes repetition. And and uh, yeah, for some for some people, um, honestly, it might get a little boring for them, you know, because you're going to kind of do the same thing with cults and. And I'm right there with Kate. I know the deal. Uh, it was funner for me to um, yeah. just start the Colts, do 30, 60, 90 days on them, send them back, and let the owner deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was training Colts for a living, that's what I did. Um, you know, and, and, and it, so it's always fresh. You get a new bunch of Colts, and it's fun again, you know. But but I've shifted in my career at this point to where I enjoy – I like finishing them all the way out and it takes a long time a lot of work but it's pretty fun to finish them out it does well, it, I, I feel like it's um, hard i feel like you get these little bursts of momentum where you're like oh we're 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 back on the uphill and then it'll just you know kind plateau of, yeah and you're just like yep. oh get kind of bored and like Ugh, it's just but i think it's same. like that with everything like yeah. in life you know That's i mean true. everything you have these little uh a little burst of of progress and then um you you get this plateau and the plateaus are longer the farther down the list you go yeah like so these... you, you you plateau out for you know like when you're in the in the in the hackamore in the two rain in the in the bridle like you know there's not a big big burst of huge progress and, and at some point really there's not necessarily going to be any progress with maneuvers it's just going to be maintaining what you do have mm-hmm. and that'll be what you spend the majority of your mulemanship relationship on is maintenance you know yeah it, it's huge well i uh i've uh I, I, I what am i trying to say if you it's been fun with cupcake to actually stick with the same mule for 
as long as I have because it seems like I go bounce to the next one. The kids steal mm-hmm. it the, <laughs> when I ride. And they're about to steal it. Yes, Ellie's trying to steal cupcake. But um, it's been fun because I've been able to compare at each clinic what I was doing with cupcake that year and what is better this time. And it's been really fun to actually reflect. So in Canyon City last year, I was in the Hackamore, brand new to the Hackamore. And I could not get her to uh, get a soft fill of the lope, um, like, at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. This year, I'm I'm in the bridal, and I can get that pretty good. Um, so it was really fun to, it's fun to have those comparisons. So if you think, oh, a year from now, it sounds like so long, but it's going to go by so fast. So if you just stick to it, you'll be, you'll see those bigger uh, as you look back, you'll see those big changes, but the day to day, you won't notice them as much. So just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it takes some discipline to stick with it for sure. No yeah, doubt. It does. It does get uh, tedious. Yep. Uh, anyways, there's so many people we could mention for the Canyon city clinic. I mean, there's, there's some, some great folks here, you know, that, uh, I got on my participant list right here and, and everybody does so good. Um, you know, it's fun to see Paul and Wilson Anderson, Paul and his son, you know, yes. come and, and Paul was another one that was at the Colt strength clinic and he's made some great progress with lefty and, uh, you know, getting Paul, my main challenge with him was getting him to step it up and like push to, to do more. Um, and that's another thing that I, I, need, I should mention with those of you that have, you know, Maybe, maybe you started your cult, maybe you had somebody else start it, but the hardest part is to keep going after the cult start and not get stagnant and just stay where they're at. And that's why I hustled Paul on a little bit like, Hey man, push it, you know, and, and he did at the clinic, he really did push it and he worked hard and, and that was fun. I think it's so easy for the new cults for you to just not want to, I think people get stuck like wanting to end on a good note and not push it too far for sure. and then they don't make progress. Right. I guess with any stage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Speaking of progress, Kate Vassell um, has been bringing Pete to clinics now for, I don't know what, a few years. years, And uh, she's made some great progress with her mule. He's in the Hackamore now. He's a big, heavy, drafty dude. dude, And he just looks light as a feather. Yep. She's done a really good job. So it's fun seeing that progress. Good job to you, Kate, if you're listening. Kate Vassell. Um, But, yeah, lots of great people there. Jan looking good on her animals and. And, uh, you know, all of them, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we get back, we're going to answer some listener questions. Uh, so hang tight. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at mules and more magazine. Mules and more has been around a long time. It's a great magazine and, uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and, I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Meals More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So, hey, be sure to check them out, mealsmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mealsmore.com. Alrighty, first question uh, for today is from Kyle Walter. He's my buddy up from the Northwest, and uh, 
Kyle has a question. Um, I've been shopping bits for transitioning my horse into the two rein. I was wondering if you have any suggestions on how you pick a bit or bit style to introduce in the two rein. Also, any suggestions on how you introduce the bit for the first time? Thank you. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Um, so for the two rein, uh, typically, um, most of my animals are, are in the half breed bit. Okay. Um, the reason is, you know, I, I have yet to have a mule super light enough to wear a spade bit. So they're wearing a half breed, um, just a simple traditional half breed mouthpiece. Um, and it has a little, you know, a little roller straight bar across. Um, and I like the Santa Barbara cheek pieces, Kyle. Um, you know, this is kind of hard to explain to those of you listening. You don't know what I'm talking about, all these things here. Uh, if, if you want to get a good look at all different types of bits, mouthpieces, cheek pieces, um, just a really easy website to navigate is, um, is, uh, oh shoot. Um, just blanked out here. It'll come back. Oh, Jer Jeremiah Watt. Jeremiah Watt. Um, if you, if you go, uh, just Google Jeremiah Watt bridle bits or Jeremiah Watt bits, it'll take you to his website and you can see all the different styles of, of, uh, cheek pieces and, and mouthpieces and all that. But, uh, the half breed seems to be good. And you want your, your bridle rings, your, your head stall rings rather, um, to be tipped out to a 45 degree angle for the two rain, because your, your little hackamore, your little bozalita is going to be right there. So you want those, those, um, head stall hangers, uh, rings to be tipped out there. So there's room for that. Um, and doesn't pinch them, you know, right there, the, you know, on their cheeks there. Uh, you know, really for, for getting them, getting them used to carrying a bit, introducing the bit. Remember in the two rain, we do not touch the bit with the reins, um, for the first three or four months. And this is kind of hard because, uh, and this is one of those things too, also that kind of makes me giggle a little bit when people will say, oh, I, I tried that bit on my mule and they didn't like it. And I say, well, how long did you have them wear the bit? They're like, well, like 20, 30 minutes, you know, like, no, no, no. That's, you didn't give them any time to even learn how to carry that thing. They got to figure it out. So we have them, we have them uh, pack that bit as we ride for the first three or four months. And we just keep using the Hackamore rain when we ride um, on your, on your two rain Hackamore. And, uh, and that gives them a chance to just, just pack that along. Uh, the first time you introduce the bit though, Kyle, um, just have it in your round pan or in your corral or even, um, you know, just, just whatever, somewhere that they can move around. They're not tied up to where, uh, your lead rope is going to affect. It's not going to touch that bridle bit at all. Um, so yeah, round pin or, or just a, a, a stall or corral and, and just put it on, tie your rain chains up so that they're not just dangling down there. Tie the rain chains up. Don't have your, 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 uh, remails on your, your rattle reins on at all. Um, and just let them carry it in the corral there and just watch them and, and they might mouth it, play with it, bob it, you know, all these things and just kind of watch maybe, maybe you let them pack it around for, for an hour or so the first time and. And uh, maybe while you're riding something else, you know, and uh, that'd be pretty good. So anyways, uh, 
Jeremiah Watt, he, he has some good bridle bits and they're affordable for a, you know, a, a working man, uh, for sure. Um, JM Capriola always sells wonderful bits, Garcia bits. Uh, it's a great place to get bridle bits as well. I'm not endorsed by any of these people. I'm just giving you guys some suggestions too. I mean, these guys don't pay me to say this. So anyways, uh, the main thing, Kyle, is don't touch your reins until you can you you know that your mule or your horse has really accepted the bit. Now, how do we know when they've accepted the bit? When they're rolling the cricket um, in a rhythmic fashion. Now, you might say rhythmic fashion. What do you mean rhythmic fashion? Well, when they're not just chomping and and just just random crazy rolling. Um, but when you'll, you'll kind of, you'll just hear him kind of rolling it, you know, rhythmically and, and less, uh, with less anxiety. Um, you don't see him bobbing their head or shaking their head. Um, and also when, when they're packing it, you'll notice their headset will change with packing the bridle correctly and they'll, they'll pack their head a little bit more vertical. They won't stick their nose out so bad. And so as you, when you see them start on their own. And this is why I like the Santa Barbara cheek pieces because it really, really makes wonderful balance in a bit. Uh, and, and of course, it takes a good balance bit to do what I'm about to tell you. But um, when you notice that that horse, that mule start packing its head more vertical and not sticking its nose out, um, this is when you know things are going good. And so if you can, if you can give that animal time to sort that out, Kyle, it'd be great for you. Thanks for the question, buddy. All right, my next question comes from my uh, my friend down in Arizona, Herman Macharo. Um, hey, Ty, I have a question for your podcast. I have some land that is in higher country, and I'll go up in the summertime to hunt and ride. I have a fenced-off area that's about two acres that I left my mule, that I let my mules eat, and that's where I keep them while I'm there. Um, this last year I went up, and it rained a lot, so a lot of growth, a lot of green grass. Um, is this something I should worry about when taking them up there? Also, do you have a first aid kit for your mules when packing in the backcountry? If so, what does it contain? Thanks again. Can't wait to see you when you come back to Arizona. Uh, yeah, Herman. So the grass, um, you know, there are some funny myths. People say, oh, yeah, mules don't founder baloney. Uh <laughs> they're they're the donkey side of them is even more prone to founder than than the horses okay so uh the green grass and it de depends on the time of year um as well earlier in the year it'll be a little bit um you know more likely to to founder an animal on that fresh green stuff so you know it's no big deal to turn them out there herman at all but you'd want to monitor the time you wouldn't want to just stick them out there and leave them out there um, especially, you know, I know you, you're feeding them hay all winter and they're coming off of kind of a, a managed feed and then you throw them out on that, that fresh green stuff. Um, you, you could potentially have some, some gut health problems or founder. Um, but so you put them out there for, let them graze out there for an hour or two, um, in the morning and then, uh, bring them in and then maybe turn them out for a few hours in the, in the afternoon. And then maybe again in the evening, if, when you're up there hanging out. Um, depending on your schedule, what you can do. Um, but if you just turn them straight out there, yeah, there, there could be some consequence to it. And you'll just have to watch your mules and, and see how they're reacting and, and manage it that way. I don't have an exact formula for you. 
but those are some suggestions there. Uh, just allotting them a certain amount of time, uh, morning, afternoon, or evening, or something, and and see how it goes. Um, and also, uh, I would definitely consult with your vet about feed like that. Um, you know, I'm not any type of expert on nutrition when it comes to the mules. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a behavioralist. So, um, consult your vet for sure, Herman, on that, buddy. Uh, now the other question about a first aid kit, um, when I go in the back country. Yeah. When I pack in, I just take a few basic things. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you can dive as deep as you want in on this, man. Uh, shoot, uh, my vet, he's a good friend of ours and, and we do pack together at times. Um, and I actually want to get him on the podcast. He's on my list of guests to, to get on here at some point. And, and this would be a great question for him. Um, because he brings a, a, a major kit with him when he packs in. And, uh, we, one year, um, my, uh, my buddy had a mule kind of get a gut ache, like thinking maybe it wanted to have a little colic, uh, episode and, and, uh, my vet, I mean, he, he tubed him, shoved a tube, tube down him, pumped some electrolytes and, and, uh, some, some, some oil down in him and got him, uh, opened up and, and cleaned out. And man, uh, he had that meal feeling good in no time. And, and, uh, but you know, I, maybe you don't take all that, that kind of stuff. That's a risk you might take. Um, but for sure, I take some basic things, Herman. I take like vet wrap, um, you know, in case, especially in the back country, you're going through deadfall and twigs and stuff. You, you might cut them up. I take some vetricin. I love vetricin for basic cuts. And, and, uh, if you get them maybe just a little, cinch sore a little galled up maybe you can spray that on it's pretty fast acting and and vitrocin is amazing stuff i'm not endorsed by them either but i ought to be because i <laughs> i tell enough people about vitrocin it's a great product um anyways uh so just some basic bandages some stuff like that um i take banamine and butte in the back country just a little tube of tube of it you know no big deal um you know, you got to be sure you don't just leave that in your pack boxes like I've done in the past and forget about it because it will go bad in there. Uh, but banamine, butte, butte's good for pain. Banamine's good for, um, you know, if, if they're acting like they got a gut ache. And, and that can happen when you're packing in. You know, uh, speaking of the grass you're talking about, you know, when we pack in, we often graze our animals if we can. And um, that change in feed does affect them sometimes. It definitely affects uh, our horses more so than the mules. The mules seem to have a little tougher gut than than the horses do. Um, so, but it just depends on your animal. But um, that's a good topic, Kermit. I appreciate you sending that in, buddy. Uh, good question, and uh, hopefully, I can get my vet on here and and we can ask about um, we can ask about that. Uh, you know, a, a vet pack to bring in on these pack trips. That'd be good. All right, I got a couple more questions here. Uh, next question comes from Wayne Armstrong. Um, he's got a three-year-old colt. Uh, just had a few weeks. Uh, been doing some groundwork. Um, anyways, he his question is, uh, this mule kicks out um, every time another mule gets behind him. He wants to know how he can get this mule to stop kicking Um when he when he packs the mule especially and when he rides it uh when when you when you're uh riding this mule it'll be much easier for you to 
um, deter the kicking of another animal. Now, when you're just leading it and packing it, it's much harder for you to be aware of the signs. So, so basically, when I'm riding the mule, I'm I'm with it. I'm paying attention to it. It's right there, and um, you can feel the mule prepare. You know, like you've heard me say, I always I quote I quote this uh, Ray Hunt deal a lot. Um, prepare to position for the transition. So you'll feel your mule prepare to position for the transition, meaning you'll feel them start to get irritated and maybe consider kicking uh, another animal. Okay, so um, just redirect that thought. When that thought comes in there, get them busy. You might get them pretty dang busy if they're being like, they, maybe they get a little aggressive, do some short serpentines. You can pile on some serious short serpentines on just about any trail. I'm talking in the rough country too. Um, yeah, maybe you're on the side of a cliff. Okay, use common sense. Don't do it then. But also don't put your mule so dang close or don't let somebody else put their mule so dang close to you if you're in that that treacherous of a spot. That's one of the most common things I hear. Well, well, where I ride, I can't do that. Well, okay, make it through that spot and then move on. Um, also, don't let somebody ride so dang close to you if you're in a spot like that. Um, but really, 99% of the time, most trails, uh, you know, you, you got the room, you can get that meal busy, get them stinking busy. Um, and, uh, redirect that thought every time. The other thing you can do if somebody's riding up on you a lot and you know, you might be irritated by it too, you know, just kind of get your meal pretty busy like that, especially a little move, rolling the hinds and rolling the front down the trail. So you roll the hinds 180 degrees, you move the front 180 degrees and you just pile that on. And if somebody's tailgating you a lot and you're kind of irritated by it, you just keep going going like that. And they're going to have to get their mule back or their horse back and not ride up on you because you're going to be slowing down and making a lot of turns, and, and that'll keep them busy too. Now, as far as ponying the mule, Wayne, and deterring the kicking, this is going to cost you much more attention because you're going to have to be looking over your shoulder watching that mule. But basically, it's the same thing. If you see your mule preparing to maybe kick another animal, you're going to need to redirect those feet. The other thing too is coping skills. So this is just a uh, just a side note that is really a huge umbrella over all of this is get this mule right mentally to where it can cope with the discomfort of another animal. Let them know that that doesn't concern them. Like I get my mules ready to flag colts and stuff off of them. You got those colts that'll buck around you and your colts will run into you and the colts will kick you and all that stuff. And and the mule I'm on needs to be indifferent about it. And so uh, I'll get my mule to where they can build some coping skills. And we've talked about that in multiple episodes, but doing things that pushes them a little bit, then you back that off and it builds. Um, basically, it builds up a positive resistance in their mind to stimulus that would otherwise bother them. So that's some good stuff there too, Wayne. All right. Um Next question is from Melissa and her mule Gus from North Carolina. Um, the message is a bit long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, she is talking about her mule being um, pretty heavy and bracy and really unresponsive and kind of dull and not really doesn't really want to move um 
when she wants him to move. Um, like one one sentence in here, he feels incredibly heavy in his head, and I've been working on backing him up using your halter holding method, squeezing above the halter knot, releasing once he takes a step back, but it feels like he lowers his head and pushes into the pressure. How can I get this heavy-headed stone wall of a mule soft and supple when I'm unable to get him to be responsive? Thanks for all you and your family sacrifice to help the equestrian world be a better place for our equine friends. Melissa and Gus from North Carolina. So, Melissa, um, okay, uh, the heavy mule. The first thing you got to do is build some type of understanding in a slack rein. So it's all about your presentation. When you're doing groundwork of any type, if you come in there heavy and you just bust right in, pulling on them, pushing on them, um, you know, you, you will over time build a mule that's more and more and more dull. Most common thing, like the very first step of our groundwork, this is where you guys can make it or break it. It's like the whole deal. You only get one chance to do a first impression. Okay, it's kind of like that with how you start your session each day with your mule. If you go out there and do, to do that first step of the groundwork, which is clearing the front, and you go to send your mule to your right, and you pull on that rein to the right, and you make contact where that rope is tight from the halter to your hand, it's tight, and there's no slack between your halter and your hand. Um you're going to get that mule saying no right off the bat. This is the hardest thing to get people to really consciously understand that they're actually doing it because you might not think you're doing it, but you, you likely are. Um, I mean, I just see it all over the place. You guys pay attention to that slack in your rein, build that slack. And if he doesn't go, when you direct him with slack in your rein, don't pull on him, drive him with your flag. And if you guys watch our groundwork videos or if you come to a clinic, then you will learn about these angles. It's all about, um, you know, uh, presenting the correct angle in your groundwork to get the response that you're desiring. So you work on those angles. And it doesn't matter how heavy they are or whatever, through that driving, the directing and the driving and those correct angles, you can get anything to move. And if they are super heavy and turned off, well, we can turn it back on and get them considering. They, they love comfort. No matter, I don't care how dull the animal is. I've always seen them continue to swat at mosquitoes and flies and, and bugs they don't like. So they can feel that. As long as they can feel that, we can build upon it. And then I can reward the animal for making that choice. I can tell them good job. And I tell them good job by releasing the pressure and, and, and leaving them alone, letting them have a little break. So maybe I get him to take that one step clear in the front. It's just one step. And then I leave him alone. Let him soak a little bit. And little by little, one step at a time, I'm going to build some understanding. I'm going to build that lead rope. Now, after I build that lead rope, then I can go on. But if I can't, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you, you know, quite a few things here, Melissa. But you're saying that, you know, the backing up is really hard and he pushes against you. Well, that's because your other pieces aren't going good first. So you got to get all of your lateral work going before you work on putting it all together like backing up and it's the same thing on the ground as it is in the saddle you do your lateral work first before you go into to backing them up so you get that going 
And then, you know, something else, you, you notice the littlest tries. I, I promise you these meals will give you. They're giving you more than you're seeing, everybody. They're doing more than you are seeing and noticing. So like backing up, for example, if I see that meal even just start to shift its weight just a little bit, I'll reward it. So maybe I, I go to back it up like that and it shifts, you know, like it's getting ready to take a step. It might not even actually take a step, but it's preparing. I'm going to reward them for that. I'm going to reward them for preparing to position to the for the transition. Thanks for the question. Hope that helps you. All right, the next question comes from um, Katrina. Hi, Ty. Can you please tell me if you lunge your mules? No, I don't. Some horse friends of mine came to help with our mules, and they started to lunge them. Um, I have not seen you lunging on the checklist. I have heard you speak about not driving the mules, but to create slack in the rain and have the mules looking for the slack. Uh, besides hooking on, which I understand is to ask the mule to pay attention to you and to know it's good to be with you, is there any reason to lunge the mule into trot and canter in the round pen off the lead line? Or do you only walk trot canter in the round pen when you are in the saddle? I feel one of our mules may be reacting negatively, negatively to being driven and lunged, acting out, running off, bucking, even... Um, thank you. I'm excited to continue with your program. We're grateful and really love your way with the mules. Katrina from Canada. Uh, good question, Katrina. So no, I don't lunge them just, just to lunge them, uh, just to, you know, you know, I guess the only time that lunging them would be applicable, like, and I don't even do this. I don't do this. Um, but like, okay, you, you can't ride them and you, you don't got a lot you can do with them and you need to exercise them. Okay. All right. I guess put them on the end of the lunge line and go for it. But, um, but really I don't lunge them. Um, now to get them going through the transition, that is part of the hooking on. And this is the hard part. What's the difference between hooking on and just lunging? Well, hooking on is a, uh, dance, so to speak. Okay. It is communication and it's, constant transitions. The problem with lunging is a lot of people put them out there on a lunge line and they go, they just get to lope them. They lope them round and round and round and trot them and round and round and round. And it, it's not a lot of transition work. We're hooking on. If you watch pretty much any of our hooking on videos, it is continuous transitions. And each time I work through the hooking on process, I am doing more and more transition work than I did the time before. Um, because I am really each time I understand more how important those transitions are. So it's not so important that I hold them in the lope for 25 circles around me. Um, but it is important that maybe I get them into the lope 25 times so I can shift from trot, lope, lope, trot, trot, lope, lope, trot, um, walk to lope, lope to walk, lope to stop, trot to stop, walk to stop, up and down you go. Um, and it's a communication deal there. And as soon as you kind of have that stuff going, well, it's time to get on. So I don't do a lot of, even the hooking on process, it's just a few times. Just when they're colts, they're learning to pack that saddle around. I want to check on them in the transition work. That's about all I do. Um, lunging, the traditional lunging I'm talking about on lead line way out there is uh, a huge lack of communication. And most people um, just get that mule turned turned off and tuning them out for sure. Um so I don't really recommend it a lot. Uh, do you some good um, hooking on Liberty work? That'd be more beneficial. And then really, you know, you kind of create your own round pin on the end of your lead rope. Um, so just our, our halter driving process that we do. 
You know, that is, some could say, well, it's a mini version of lunging. Well, yeah, if it's mindless, I guess. Um, that's where lunging gets the negative connotation is the mindless part. But um, our the, the halter driving we're doing, um, that's a huge help. And, you know, really those steps is all you need. Uh, get that stuff going. And remember, you guys, when it comes to groundwork of any kind, you should be working yourself out of a job. You know, you should be working yourself out of a job. You should be getting better at the groundwork. Your meal should be getting better at the groundwork to where you don't have to do it so long, so much. You check it out. Make sure things are looking good. You get on, you ride, and continue your work from the saddle. Um, I've posted a video on our YouTube and also on our video library of me working with a, a mule, showing the groundwork checklist, what I need to do, the bare minimum, just to get on. And it's seriously just a few seconds. It's not even a minute long worth of groundwork. So remember, you should be working yourself out of a job in the groundwork for sure. All right. Um, I believe that is all for our questions for this episode. Um, hey, if you have a question f- that you would like to, to be featured here on the show, please send me an email, uh, ty at tsmules.com. Put in the subject line, question for a podcast. Or you can go to our website, www.tsmules.com. Uh, fill out the contact form on there, and that's another way to get a hold of us. Um, on the website while you're on there, you can check out the video library. You can check out our clinic schedule um, and see where we're at, see where we're going. I'm working hard right now trying to get our 2023 tour put together. A lot of amazing stops next year. I can't wait. Um, so be watching for that. Uh, we try to post our next year's schedule uh, around October sometime. So be watching for that. Hey, and as always, any of you that listen on Apple Podcasts specifically, if you would be so kind as to leave leave us a review, let us know what you think of the podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts and give us the five stars if you think we deserve it. The rest of you, it's kind of hard to leave a review, but you can always email me and let me know your thoughts there. So, hey, until next time, you guys, uh, God bless you, and we will see you down the road. Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find him on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you.